Well, good morning, my friends. This is podcast number 425, Thursday, November 24th, um, closing in on Thanksgiving. And we have today and tomorrow to finish up the Apostles' Creed. And and I want you to turn to 2 Timothy 2.15, and uh, we will look at our memory verse, and then we'll... Uh, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. So 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God, not to man, but to God, as one approved, a workman or a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And I, I pray that that scripture is um, sinking in and making a difference in your daily life. As we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, we get to uh, uh, the part of the Apostles' Creed that's about the church. That says, uh, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So we're in the last two lessons today and tomorrow of the Apostles' Creed. But before you say, well, I'm not Catholic, I'm not a Roman Catholic. We are all Catholic in the sense that we're part of the universal church. So let me read a little bit about that before we get into the scripture. It says, to believe in Jesus Christ is to believe in and belong to a dynamic community that spans the centuries. The Greek word ecclesia, used in the New Testament to refer to the church, denotes not a building but a group of people. It literally means those who are called out. The church is not a static building, but a dynamic pilgrim people who are constantly moving on in faith and obedience. It includes those who have gone ahead of us and those who will follow. It is a great fellowship of faith spanning the ages and the continents. So as we look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is teaching the four great truths of the church here. Number one, the Catholicity which is the universal uh, universality, meaning not that everyone is saved, but meaning that, that there are people from all different people groups who will be part of the body of Christ. There will be Jews, there will be Gentiles, there will be women, there will be men. But there's this big group combined together is the, is the church. It also mentions the holiness, um, the apostolicity, which means being sent, and the unity. These are the four ancient attributes. Uh, I messed up on those words a little bit because they're difficult to pronounce for me anyway. But the universality, the holiness, the apostolicity, which is the separateness and the uh, sentness, and the unity. And so as we get into Ephesians 4, we're just going to go through these verses. We'll go through as many as we can today, the whole chapter of Ephesians. So you're going to be thankful there we're in one chapter for once. Let's start with verse 1. He, he, he tells us who's writing this. I, therefore, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And what is that calling? It is not your individual calling as much as is the, is the overall calling to be a part of the church. Yes, there is an individual calling in each of us. There are gifts given to each of us. But the calling is to walk worthy, of, um, is this calling to be a part of the church, part of the ecclesia, the body, the called out ones. Verse 2, how do we walk? 
We walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And when he's talking about this now, he's not talking about the those outside the church. He's talking about within. We need to begin to treat one another better within the church so that the outside world sees us as one body of believers, those that believe in Jesus Christ as the only way, the only truth, the only life to the, to the Father. He is the only way. So within that framework, we may disagree on some things, style of worship, time of worship, day of worship, but we agree that we are the called out ones by Jesus Christ and we want to walk worthy of that. So we treat each other with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse three, we are eager. Another version says diligent to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace the unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in the bond of peace. We are one. We need to be at peace with one another. There is one body, the word soma, soma in the Greek, figuratively here means the body of Christ, the mass of believers before, now, and to follow throughout all the ages. There is one body, one Spirit, just as we are called to one hope, and that that belongs to your call. So there's only one. There's only one true body of Christ, and he is the head. He's not the head of many bodies. He's the head of one body. Verse 5 says he's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're one. One God, the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I don't know how many times that Paul needs to say this for us, but we obviously aren't getting it. The area in which I live in, not Battleground, but the area in Clark County, appears to me to be one of the most competitive areas, church-wise, that I've ever seen. I mean, I grew up in a, in a, in a town where there were two main churches in the, in the Assemblies of God, and it was like they were, instead of loving one another and caring for one another, they were in competition for one another, which which shouldn't be, which shouldn't be. If every church in my county was filled to the brim with believers, the devil would still have the largest church. We're not in competition. We are to love one another. We are to, to be kind to one another because we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Verse 7, but grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We are gifted. We are called. We are given grace to be a part of this body of Christ, this mass of believers that was, that is, and which will be. People who have gone before us. People who will come after us. People who don't yet know um, that we are believers together. There's the silent church. There's the undercover church that, uh, that still loves Jesus. They're just not as vocal. Verse 8, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Jesus is always victorious. And Jesus is the giver of gifts. So when we seek things, we seek the giver. We don't seek the giver's gifts. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. That means this ground, this earth, 
He also died, went into the grave. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. He is the same one. Jesus is the same. He's the one who died. He came and lived, died and ascended. He left the grave. It's the same Jesus. It's not another Jesus. It's the same Jesus. And when he was leaving, what did he do? He gave the apostles, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. He gave these offices, but these are people who fill these offices. And what is the reason for those offices to equip the saints for the work of ministry? Look at that. What do those five offices do? They equip the people who are not in the offices for the work of the ministry. They're not to do the work of the ministry. They're to equip you and I for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the erecting of the body of Christ, for the strengthening of the body of Christ. Those people who fill those particular positions were given to the church to strengthen you and I, the body, so that we might fulfill the ministry. We believe, so many of us believe, well, we hired them, let them do the work of the ministry. No, no, no. They're to prepare us and equip us so that we would do the work of the ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, not the tearing down, not to be competitive with, but the building up. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the status of the fullness of Christ. We are to come into maturity. We are to come into strength. We are to come in to walk in newness of life, to walk according to the call of God upon our lives and the plan that's placed upon our lives within the framework of the body of Christ. The name on the door is not as important as the name on the heart. The name on the door of the building is not as important as the name upon our hearts. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. Underline this. Tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human craftiness um, or cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I have never seen a time in my ministry that people have so been so, been so easily deceived and, and taken away from um, Bible believing in Scripture. And then when you talk to them about it, they go, well, you have your truth and I have mine. No, there's only one truth. It's the truth of the scripture. It's, it's not for us to just to, to follow after all these other uh, beliefs and all these things and say, well, they're all one. They're not one. There is one. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. John 14, 6. We need to follow him. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So we're not to follow man. We're not to be more like our pastor. We're not to be more like the neighbor. We're not to be more like um, evangelists and prophets. And No, no, we're to be, to, supposed to be more like Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's 
the beauty of the body of Christ. Now, let me, we'll stop there as far as the scripture, but I want to read something out of the ESV that I think is incredibly important. And tomorrow we'll pick up with uh, verse 17, talking about the new life, and then we'll finish up um, our study in the Apostles' Creed. This is from my ESV Bible, and I love it. Paul focuses here on unity. He treats God's plan of salvation in in chapters 1 through 3 and then tells what salvation means for the church in chapter 4 and verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner uh, worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He explains the character and the reason for unity before showing how diversity promotes our oneness in Christ. Diversity promotes our oneness. Because he has uh, called them to faith, God wants believers to maintain the one church body he has established. While the Holy Spirit unites all believers as one church in Christ, it is as his body on earth that the church must demonstrate tangibly this underlying oneness. Such work is possible only as Christ modeled it, which is why Paul emphasizes humility, gentleness, patience, and love in verse 2. Believers can cultivate these fruits within the Spirit's bond of peace, verse 3, which they must do for the church to demonstrate consistent love to the world. However, Paul shows that while the foundation of our unity requires consistency of character for all, Christ has also given us a diversity of gifts to each one. Though the roles are debated, the goal of verses 7 through 16 is to show that Christ has given each church member a unique role to play. In fact, these roles are a sample of different gifts and people who, by their diversity, must work towards the common goal of edifying the church. Paul's closing analogy to the body is essentially helpful if the church is to avoid deceit, to grow in love, to mature, to each member needs the contributing health of the whole to which he or she also contributes. You may have an individual gift, you do have an individual gift, but you need the body so that you are kept in unity and you grow in maturity. Believers must not sacrifice the truth of our one faith to gain. Unity, rather, humility and love must accompany all our work alongside fellow believers whom Christ has gifted differently. We're to be unified. We're to be together. We're to be one. And when that happens, when that happens, when we walk in unity, we walk in peace, we walk in holiness, we walk as one, the world will see. And the world will notice that the change didn't come because we turned over a new leaf, but the change came when the Holy Spirit came into our lives and transformed us and we became these new, new people. No longer walking according to the lusts of this world, the pride of life, this, this, the lust of the eyes, the desire for all this power, the desire for, um, for, for to, to rule over everybody, but the desire then is to, is to, is to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Let Him exalt us and let Him use the gifts that He's given in each one of us to strengthen the body of Christ. 
And then when the, the body of Christ is at peace, the body of Christ is strengthened, the body of Christ is unified, we're effective in this world through the Holy Spirit. See, we don't do it on our own. We're not an island. We're a part of the, the soma, the body, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And we're gifted to add strength inside the body. Understand that. Our gifts are to bring encouragement and strength inside the body. And then as the body is edified and the body is strengthened, then we go out and we touch the world that needs so desperately to hear about a God that's mad, not mad at them, but madly in love with them. Let me pray for us. We'll finish up the Apostles' Creed tomorrow. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you until we talk again.